Hey, welcome in everybody. Welcome to the franchise here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or however you listen to your podcast. The franchise should be available. My name is Connor, and thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, to an episode of the franchise. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that uh, to to go to go over in the world of sports. Um, I guess we'll just dive straight in. Well, let's do a quick rundown. Uh, Today, I'm going to go over Kevin Durant. Uh, it's probably the biggest piece of news there is to talk about. Kevin Durant requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets a few days ago. I'm going to give my take on that, some places that he may land, and break down that whole situation, as well as his teammate Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie's been in the news for a few weeks, and with this KD trade request, opens the door for Kyrie to be on his way out of Brooklyn anytime soon. As well as a uh, a rundown of all the other deals that have happened in free agency over the past uh, few days since it started. Um, then we're going to go over some big college football news. Conference realignment as USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 in a few years to join the Big Ten. I'll let you know what that's supposed to mean for the future of college football. As well as uh, this man right here might be the greatest... Um, athlete in American sports history. Joey Chestnut won his 15th hot dog eating contest. Uh, and then some baseball. Um, the Angels are dead. The Angels are dead. I'm going to you know, do a nice little Angels rant. As well as uh, the MLB All-Star Game voting is very flawed. And I want to go over that and some issues I have with it. And let you know who I think should be in these spots for the All-Star Game. Um, but let's get things started here with the biggest piece of news we have, and that is Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant requested a trade the day of free agency, the day to open from Brooklyn Nets. Free agency started at 6 p.m. Eastern on uh, June 30th. Kevin Durant requested a trade at like 3. So before free agency even started, uh, Kevin Durant requested a trade and that really you know uh was the only news there was um but it was the biggest news the whole league should be in and frankly uh well not all of them are in for kevin durant but all all of the teams in the nba should be calling up the brooklyn's about kevin durant and here's why kevin durant has four years left on his contract kevin durant is making between um, his four years left on his deal, he's making forty-one million next year, and slowly bumps up. The last year of his deal, he's making around fifty million dollars. And Kevin Durant's a top five, top three player in the game of basketball. So a guy at his stature, being on a four-year contract, really opens the possibility for any team in the NBA to trade for him. You know, if he was um, if he was on a one-year deal. And then it would really limit, and KD would have all the power. Uh, KD listed the following teams as his preferred destinations uh, for when he is to get traded. These are the teams that he would like to be traded to, and those are the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. Both of those teams have you know, possible trade packages for Kevin Durant, but 
KD doesn't have, you know, he has leverage because he's a, a superstar player and it's a player-driven league, the NBA is. And if a guy wants to go to a team, the odds are he's going to go to that team. But KD has four years left on his contract. So a team could trade for him and not have to worry about him leaving anytime soon. Yeah, KD could play there for a year and then request a trade next offseason. But, like, Katie's on a four-year deal. So, going with the two teams that Katie said he wants to go to, the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat, let's look at some trade packages that, you know, these teams could offer. For Phoenix, it's going to be a DeAndre Ayton-centered trade. Um, DeAndre Ayton is a restricted free agent right now. And the Phoenix Suns really have no interest in bringing him back. Uh, they don't want to pay him a max contract, and... You know, after the the playoffs that he had in the regular season, compared to what he had in the finals against the Milwaukee Bucks two seasons ago, the the Suns don't feel he's worth a max contract. Now, I'm sure there's teams, there's other teams in the league that are, that feel like he is um, worth near a max contract. However, you know, with the news of the Kevin Durant wanting to be traded, the market's really frozen, so no one's gone out of their way to get DeAndre Ayton. However, if a trade is to, you know, uh, come into fruition here and Kevin Durant is going to be a Phoenix Sun, DeAndre Ayton is going to be the centerpiece of this package for the Phoenix Suns. Um, as well as a guy like Mikel Bridges and maybe even a player like Cam Johnson. Um, I, I think the Suns would want to keep Cam Johnson. He's a really nice uh, power forward, small forward type of player. He can shoot the ball and play some good defense. So when you look at the package for the Suns, they'd be giving up, you know, DeAndre Ayton in a sign-and-trade, Mikael Bridges, really great 3-and-D player, and then they'd have to give up draft picks. And this is something I forgot to mention, but I'll mention it right now. Um, Rudy Gobert got traded a few days ago from the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And... What makes this trade interesting and what it does for the Kevin Durant trade is what you look uh, at what the Timberwolves gave up to get Rudy Gobert. Now, Rudy Gobert is a three-time All-Star, six-time All-Defense, four-time All-NBA, and a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. But the Timberwolves gave up Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Leandro Balmaro, Walker Kessler, the most recent 22nd overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft, as well as a 2023, 2025, and 2027 unprotected first-round pick, and a top-five protected 2029 first-round pick. The Jazz got four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert, who is a top-five center and the best defensive center in the league. But Rudy Gobert provides no offensive um, impact to your team. He's going to make the Timberwolves better on defense, but offensively, he's not that guy. And he's making $38 million next season. That goes up to 41 43 and then ultimately goes up to $46 million in the last year of Rudy Gobert's contract. But what complicates things for a Kevin Durant trade is that if Rudy Gobert, who is a top 25 player in the NBA, 
He got four first-round picks. Kevin Durant, who's a top five player in the league, is getting more. So if you're the Suns or the Heat or any of these teams that are trying to trade for Kevin Durant, you're going to have to give up picks from 2023 to 2035. I mean, that's basically the range that you have to trade. And the thing is, not a lot of these teams have their own picks. But continuing with the other packages, a Miami trade package is the harder one to do. Um, you know, they could offer Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson in picks. But the Nets want Bam out of bio, reportedly. The problem with that, I never knew this rule existed until um, a few days ago. But the Nets have Ben Simmons on their roster. They traded James Harden for him in the uh, regular season at the deadline. And Ben Simmons is on a designated rookie max, ex- max extension. Um, and also is Bam out of bio of the Heat. So if there was a trade for Kevin Durant and Bam was involved... The only way Bam could be on the Nets and that trade would be legal is if Ben Simmons was not on the Nets roster. And I don't see the Nets trading Ben Simmons because his trade value is absolutely low. He has not played basketball in over a year. And he has he has no trade value. He is the like most worthless asset in the NBA. So for the Heat, I mean, their package is very limited. Are the Nets interested in a guy like Tyler Hero, who has very nice potential, but is almost eligible for an extension? Kyle Lowry is an aging point guard. Duncan Robinson signed to this massive, like $17, $18 million a year contract, um, but he played horrible last season, didn't even get any postseason minutes, and the Heat made it deep into the playoffs as well. So, you know, KD's preferred destinations of his two, Phoenix is the most likely. I don't see Miami having a possible package, you know, to get Kevin Durant, especially if they want to keep a guy like Bam, and you're keeping Jimmy Butler. You're not trading Jimmy Butler for Kevin Durant. You're bringing Kevin Durant to play with Jimmy Butler in South Beach. Now, I have three slash four other teams here that I think I think are more realistic possibilities to get Kevin Durant. And the first one, this is my favorite. I think this team, I don't know where they are, where they stand in Kevin Durant. Maybe they don't want, take that back. Why would they not want KD? But maybe they don't feel that they have, they want to make that trade. Uh, but in my opinion, this team is has the best possible package for Kevin Durant, and that's the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they have the rookie of the year from last season, Scotty Barnes as well as OG Ananobi, a great 3-and-D player, nice little small forward wing. Um, They could offer those two guys and Gary Trent Jr. and first-round picks for Kevin Durant and play. And you can have a team that has Fred Van Vliet, Kevin Durant, and Pascal Siakam. And that is a team that could easily be a top-three seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, what you'd hope is that the Nets don't ask for your current best player, and that's Pascal Siakam, who's an all-NBA player, because that would limit the amount of talent you have around Kevin Durant if he was to be in Toronto. Because if they traded away Siakam, I'd imagine if you're trading away Siakam, you're not getting Barnes back. But 
Pascal Siakam's an All NBA player. Um, but anyways, I feel that Toronto has the best package. You know, they have the Rookie of the Year. They have a guy in OG Ananobi that definitely teams around the league would love to have a guy like that. He's a great defender and can shoot that three ball, which is a very valuable thing to have in the modern day NBA. And then Toronto has all their draft picks, so they could offer four, five first round picks. Maybe even maybe four because you know they have these two really good young players. Um, I think Toronto, in my opinion, is the number one team that could possibly land Kevin Durant. Next team would be New Orleans. You know he had trade Brandon Ingram, Larry Nash Jr. And the the great thing about New Orleans is they have many picks. They have all of their first round picks that that are the Pelicans their own. They have Milwaukee's picks from the Drew Holiday trade, and they have a few Lakers picks left from the Anthony Davis trade. You trade Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., maybe Jackson Hayes, um, and four, five first-round picks, and some of those aren't even your own. So even if like you have a down season somehow with Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson, you still have your first-round picks. And even if you... You know, are a playoff team. You can still improve your own roster. The thing about New Orleans is, is Kev, would Kevin Durant want to be a Pelican? Would he want to play in New Orleans? And that's a tough question, especially since, you know, they have a guy like Zion, who Zion is an amazing player. Um, and this is something I was going to mention later on, but uh, Zion Williamson signed a, a max contract the other day. And he's only played 85 career games, and he's, he was drafted three years ago. There's 82 games in a regular season. He didn't play a single game last year, and he got a max contract. The next team would be uh, Philadelphia. This team's harder to, to see as a realistic possibility to get Kevin Durant. But, I mean, a package does exist. Tobias Harris, Matisse Stiebel, Tyrese Maxey. Philadelphia doesn't have a lot of draft picks left. They already traded them to Brooklyn last year. Um, so you could trade whichever remaining picks you have left. And then finally, it's, uh, I have Boston. This one would be would make Boston like the best team in the East, and they made the finals last year. Um, this, this trade would put them over the Bucks. And that's just a Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant swap, throw in some picks. And if you need to make the salaries match, then you throw in a few other players on your roster. Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, guys like that. Um, and for the Nets, that'd be a good trade. You get a guy who's a proven all-star. He's not in a max deal. And he's, he's locked up for the next few seasons. And then for the Celtics, you're putting Kevin Durant on a team that just went to the finals with Jason Tatum. Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, um, Rob, Robert Williams. So, I mean, yeah, that, those are the the teams I see realistically having a chance at getting Kevin Durant. You know, who knows what ends up happening. A trade might not happen for months. It, it might not <laughs> ever happen. They, the Nets don't have to trade Kevin Durant. It seems like they're trying to, you know, do good by him and, and listen to his request and grant his request to be traded from the organization. Um, excuse me for a second. But let's move on to his teammate, Kyrie Irving. A few weeks ago, 
Kyrie Irving was in the headlines because he and the Brooklyn Nets were at a, a an impasse on a contract extension. Kyrie wants a long-term deal. The Nets don't want to do that because Kyrie, frankly, has not seemed to be interested in playing professional basketball. He, he appears to be, and I don't want to hate on Kyrie because I think Kyrie is overhated. But at the same time, Kyrie barely plays. I mean, last season he didn't want to get vaccinated, and that's a personal decision. But he wasn't allowed to play in any home games. And, you know, that cost his team a chance at, you know, being a higher seed in the Eastern Conference. But either way, when Kyrie was playing, he was a phenomenal player. He's a top five point guard in the game of basketball, top 15 player in the game of basketball all around. Um, but Kyrie accepted his player option a few weeks ago, and it seemed that all was good in Brooklyn. Obviously, then Kevin Durant requests a trade, so that means that Kyrie Irving is, is basically open. His, his market is open to be traded. The problem is it doesn't appear to be that there's any teams interested uh, in trading for his services, except for the Lakers. The Lakers obviously would be interested as they have no really no real options to improve their roster because of they have hundreds of millions of dollars tied up to three players. One of those being Russell Westbrook, the highest paid player on their roster, making around $47 million this season, final year of his contract. So the trade package, you know, for Kyrie Irving is a Russell Westbrook for Kyrie swap. Brooklyn would have to include a guy like Joe Harris or Seth Curry into the deal. And the Lakers would have to throw in a, like a first round pick or two, maybe even three. But that's really the only team that's interested in trading for a guy like Kyrie Irving. There's been reports of like Philly and Dallas. I just don't think either of those are, are realistic possibilities. I mean, what does Dallas have to offer? Spencer Dinwiddie picks. Like, I'd rather just have Russell Westbrook because it, you know, Russell Westbrook is a good player. He plays every game, he's never injured. Triple double machine, he's gonna play for you. You know he's a good basketball player. He just a, he just doesn't fit with the Lakers. Um, I think it's inevitable that Kyrie ends up on the Lakers. I mean, it's been talked about before free agency, before the trade request by KD. I mean, like at some point the Nets are gonna have to accept the fact that they're gonna have to trade KD, and they're, they're already doing this, right? But once they trade KD, and then once they trade Kyrie, you know, they'll have a guy like Russell Westbrook, and they can keep him for the season and let him play, or they can work on a buyout, and Russ can go play for a contender. And, you know, what I like about that as a Lakers fan is if Russ got traded for Kyrie, he gets bought out by the Nets, and then Russ comes back and signs a veteran minimum with the Lakers. And then you have Kyrie, Westbrook, AD, LeBron. Um, so, yeah, the Nets have a lot of stuff going on for them this offseason. Um, not what wasn't, uh, was expected. You know, the Brooklyn Nets were a very, uh, their super team failed. They, they never made it to finals. They never won a finals. Um, and, you know, their team, their big three that they had at a, at a point, 
their big two barely ever played together. Uh, I think it just shows that the big three era of like signing of two guys coming together to sign to a team on a max deal, it just doesn't work. Um, I was going to talk about the other moves, including like the Rudy Gobert, but I already went over that, as well as the Zion Williamson max extension. A bunch of other guys got max deals, like um, John Morant and Devin Booker got max extensions. Um, DeJounte Murray got traded to the Hawks for four first-round picks. And Danilo Gallinari, who got bought out by the Spurs, he ended up signing with the Celtics as well. Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for the NBA right now. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but at the same time, it has been pretty dead the past few days. The whole league is just waiting to see what happens with this Kevin Durant trade and then what follows with Kyrie, Ben Simmons, the rest of the Nets roster. Moving on here to some college football news, and this news broke the same day that KD requested his trade. This news broke way earlier, like in the afternoon. Uh, USC and UCLA, two Pac-12 schools, two storied programs. Recently, neither of them have had great amount of success in the Pac-12, but both of those schools... SC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 in 2024 to join the Big Ten. And this is big, monumental news for college football. The Big Ten is trying to rival and compete with the SEC. Um, the SEC last year announced that they're adding Texas and Oklahoma in 2024-25. So there's a lot of conference realignment going on right now in college football. And the Big Ten is trying to compete with the SEC. There's been talks of them, especially after this move of them adding USC and UCLA, there's been talks of them adding Oregon, Washington, a team like Notre, a school like Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's the biggest one right now because if they end up at a school like the SEC, then the SEC is the most dominant conference in college football. Um, but if they end up in the Big Ten, then the Big Ten has that easily. For USC and UCLA, this is kind of crazy because the Big Ten is mainly lo- the, the closest school to these two California schools is Nebraska. So, you know, for all of these athletic events, because um, it doesn't just affect college football, it affects basketball and baseball and all of the other sports at these at these two schools. You know, USC and UCLA are going to have to go to Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, all of these Midwest schools, Maryland, all the way on the East Coast, uh, to play in these games. I think USC... I don't know. I mean, it is very. It is two, three years away from them actually joining the Big Ten this season. I think UC, USC is going to have a great year. They brought in Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, and the recruiting class for USC for this year from the transfer portal, and, and next year and the next few years going forward um, is going to be good. 
UCLA has not been good in a few seasons, and they, their program seems to be um, a little bit of a mess right now. But by the time they join the Big Ten, both these schools are going to be fine. You know, playing teams like Ohio State and Wisconsin um, any given Saturday is going to be very, very fun to watch. Uh, but this is just, you know, the beginning of all of these college football schools, of all of these schools changing conferences and and is going to create a giant super conference between the SEC and probably have, you know, the Big Ten schools and the SEC schools, and they're probably just going to end up duking it out in the college football playoff. Uh, or they're going to leave and do their own thing, you know, and you'll have a giant super conference, Super Bowl or something. Um, Joey Chestnut today, I'm filming this on 4th of July at 1130 um, at night, uh, but earlier today, Joey Chestnut won his 15th hot dog eating contest. Um, there was a protester that he like choked out mid hot dog eating. He was like, bah, 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 like eating it and then like choked the dude out and still won the competition. Also, he had a broken leg. So like Joey Chestnut is a American right there. He's a legend. He's a goat. All right, this is, there's a, the last two things I want to talk about. This episode's really short, by the way. I'm looking at the timestamp. Um, I guess that's what happens when you are doing it by yourself. Um, which one do I want to start with? I think we'll start here with the MLB All-Star voting. Um, the All-Star voting has a few phases, and the first one is fan voting. The fans vote. They vote for players about five times a day from x date to, to y date um and then the mob announces finalists for each position and there's some big big issues and the first one that i want to talk about is the american league outfield the finalists were aaron judge who's a lock for the all-star game got the most votes in the American League, he's a lock to be a starter. Uh, you had Mike Trout and oh, jeez, I'm blanking on these people. Um, oh, man, who? It was Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and George Springer, John Carlos Stanton. And the fifth and final finalist spot went to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. of the Blue Jays. You're going to notice a trend here. I just want to say this real quick. Canada has ruined the all-star voting for this season because there's so many Blue Jays players that are finalists, but only two or three of them should really realistically be finalists or even all-stars in general. Um, And Gurriel Jr. took this final outfield spot from guys like Taylor Ward, Byron Buxton, Kyle Tucker. And just to show you how, you know, bad this is, Gurriel Jr.'s uh, hitting 292 with five home runs and a 121 OPS plus this season. There's guys like Byron Buxton, who has 22 bombs, hitting 220, 146 OPS plus. Guy like Taylor Ward, who's having a breakout season, was so hot earlier in the year. Hasn't played, you know, a whole lot of games. 
but he has 12 bombs, 307, 168 OPS plus. And his teammate Teoscar Hernandez, who's also up here, who shouldn't really be um, this far, this high in the right of the voting as well. Uh, 262, 113 OPS plus, eight home runs. Dude, the fan voting's bad, man, because, like, Canada's just voting all of their Blue Jays in. And I guess props to them for taking advantage of this flawed system, just voting all their guys in. But there's more deserving guys to be a finalist for the All-Star game than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I mean, I would put Byron Buxton and Taylor Ward in before I ever thought about putting Gurriel Jr. in the All-Star game. And then the next is the American League shortstop. Fellow Blue Jay, Bo Bichette, is a finalist. When these next three guys are having way better seasons. And if you look at just home runs when you're voting for an All-Star game, then obviously Bo Bichette is going to be the starter. He has 12. But Tim Anderson's hitting 335, has five bombs on the year, hitting with a 134 OPS+. plus. And Xander Bogart, who is, in my opinion, I would have him starting the All-Star game in the American League shortstop. Six home runs, 321, 137 OPS+. Plus. Or even the, the Astros rookie, Jeremy Pena. He's having an amazing year. He just destroyed my Angels and hit two home runs, and one of them was a walk-off the other day. So he's at like 11, 12 home runs on the air with a 117 OPS+. plus. Basically, the All-Star voting right now for the fans is just hilarious. You know, a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. is in fifth place in National League shortstops. He hasn't played a single game this year. He's obviously not a finalist, and he, not, he shouldn't be All-Star eligible. Um, I don't know. Fan voting is fun. I like to vote for the All-Star game as a fan. However, like, it is just very annoying to see these results and see guys that should not be All-Stars. And then you see guys that should be All-Stars not getting the recognition that they deserve. Hopefully, once the All-Star game happens, I see guys like Byron Buxton Bogarts, Pena, Ward. I see guys that are deserving of an all-star spot actually in the all-star game. And then a final topic for today's pod, which thank you again so much for tuning in. Um, The Angels are dead. Now, if you're watching, I'm wearing a Diamondbacks hat right now. You know, you're going to say, well, you're a Diamondbacks fan. I am an Angels fan. You know, if you know me personally, you know I'm an Angels fan. The Angels are done. Their season's over. It's only July 4th, and the Angels are done. All right, this team is horrible. The other day against the Astros, they struck out a record tying 20 times. There's 27 outs in a baseball game. For 20 of those outs, they struck out. That is horrible, a horrible play approach, a horrible mindset to have in the batter's box. They're not, they're not being good hitters. They're just, you know, looking at pitches they shouldn't be looking at. They're swinging at stuff in the dirt. They're swinging at stuff. They're, they're not having a good um, plate approach, not having a good plate approach at all. And then you look at what happens the other day. In the same game that they struck out 20 times, 
you see a nice a nice little oppo knock by Taylor Ward. Nice little single gets him on first base. Rounds the bag, you know, just as you should on a nice little hit. Round the bag, take a look, jog back to first base. He gets picked off. He gets picked off on a back pick by Martin Maldonado on a great sneaky play. That's a, it props to Martin Maldonado for that play. Sneaking up behind Taylor Ward, calling for the ball, boom, tag out. But what is the first base coach of the Angels doing there? Right, you see, Taylor Ward doesn't see Martin Maldonado behind him, but you do. You see that he's right there about to backpick Taylor Ward, who just got on base. You see that that's about to happen, and you're standing there saying, get back, get back, get back, get back. You're barely saying it. You can read you can read your lips on the video. You're not saying anything. You should be screaming at Taylor Ward, get back, get back, get back. Like, you need to be on your toes at the top of your lungs screaming for him to get back on the back. And then you look a few weeks ago. I think it was maybe a week and a half ago. I think it was the Angels were playing. Um, maybe yeah, it was the White Sox, I believe. And our pitchers tipping his pitches. Everyone on the White Sox knows that. You know who doesn't know that? The entire Angels coaching staff, the, t- the, the, the people that are supposed to be seeing these kinds of things, don't see that he's tipping his pitches, except for the best player on the Angels, Mike Trout, in center field. He can see that our pitcher was doing something like this on a fastball and doing something like this. on. A- he, he, was, he could see that from, from the outfield. And if you've seen the video... You can see his Mike Trout's expression. He's just like, he's done because he knows that the coaching staff sucks. I mean, our pitching coach is horrible. Our hitting coach isn't helping at all. The interim manager suspended, and the interim manager, by the way, I think is horrible. I don't think he should be brought back uh, in the off season. I hope he's not. I mean, the Angels are done. The Angels are done. They're in fourth place in the AL West right now. Things were looking great in April, start of May. The Angels were looking like a true legitimate threat for the first time um, that I can remember since 2014 when they had the best record in all of baseball. It was looking like Trout and Otani were heading for the playoffs. Looks like they were going to give the Astros a run for their money in the AL West. And then they lost 14 straight. They forgot how to hit. The bullpen is horrible. I mean, Ryan Tapera is one of the worst pitchers in baseball this year. Aaron Loop is god-awful. Noah Syndergaard is having these rough, rough outings. The managers and the coaches don't know what they're doing. You lose 14 straight, you fire Joe Madden on an impulse decision. That was a, oh, we got to do something weird, do something weird. Fire the manager. Joe Madden was the best option we had this whole season as as our manager. Our season died when we fired Joe Madden. Yeah, we lost 14 straight games, but once we fired Joe Madden, our season was over. And what's even more frustrating as a fan and as a fan of 
not just the Angels, but of, of baseball, is that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are performing at all-time levels every single game. Otani had a eight RBI performance one game, and the Angels lost. And then Otani goes out the next day and he pitches a gem. They win. But Otani will have these amazing performances, whether it's on the mound or at the plate. Historic all-time performances we haven't seen. Like, Babe Ruth wasn't even doing these things. And then the Angels will lose. And then Mike Trout will do the same thing. He'll hit five home runs in a game. And the Angels will lose the game because they are bad. And I'm going to say, and it hurts me to say this as an Angels fan. It's time to trade. Maybe not this. You don't have to do it before the deadline. But in the offseason, it's time to trade a guy like Shohei. And it's time to, it might be time to trade Mike Trout. I know Trout signed to a long-term extension. He, we can let him sit here for the rest of his career. But Shohei Otani is going to leave the Angels in the 2023 offseason. You know, after this season, Shohei's on a one-year deal. If the Angels, he's not signing an extension this offseason. There's no way he does that unless they're paying him $500 million. But if I'm Shohei, I'm not signing an extension until we make the playoffs. And I feel like I can make the playoffs once I sign here. If I'm the Angels, I think I'd, I think... It's time to trade Otani in the offseason. I think it, your best chance of being good in the future is to trade these two premium talents, these two all-time great players, and get the biggest prospect haul you can and just bottom out for the next three to five seasons and see where that gets you in the future. You're never going to get in the trout with Otani again, and that's the tough thing. When you're trading arguably the greatest baseball player of all time in Mike Trout. He's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. Um, And you're trading a a talent in Otani that has never been done before. People always, you know, will say like, oh, this hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. But Babe Ruth wasn't throwing 100, hitting 40. I mean, Babe Ruth was hitting a lot of home runs per season, but like he wasn't doing what Otani's doing. Otani is setting new records every game. And, you know, if the Angels trade these two guys, you're never going to get these two players back. You're never going to get remotely the same kind of value that these players have. But, I mean, unless the Angels find a way to sign guys to contracts and then these guys are actually good and they stay on the field, like, unlike Anthony Rendon, or until you find a way to sign relief pitchers or get relief pitchers that are good or get pitching, the Angels aren't going to be good. They're just going to, we're going to have the same thing every year. The Angels, this is the year if everything clicks. But guess what? Nothing ever clicks for this team. The only time it clicked was earlier this season when they were the hottest team in baseball from April to early May. And then they came back to earth and they're playing normal, typical Angels baseball. The Angels are dead. I think they should think about trading Otani. And you might have to do a service to Mike Trout's legacy and his 
talent as a baseball player, and you might have to trade him too to get him into the postseason personally. And for the betterment of the team, you might just have to trade these two guys, uh, which really pains me to say. But I think Otani's going to leave in two years. I mean, if the Angels win a World Series next season, I think Otani's going to stay. If the Angels want to pay him that, but I think Otani's going to leave. Yeah. So I think the Angels, they're dead this season. You know, people are going to try and convince people. Uh, the media is going to try and say they're too talented. They'll have a second half comeback. The Angels are dead. I can tell you that right now. The Angels are not going to be better than third place in their division this season. And it's only July 4th. But yes, um, that's going to conclude it for this episode of the franchise. You know, we went over the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets fiasco, as well as NBA free agency, college football realignment with USC and UCLA, uh, the MLB All-Star game, and then I had my Angels rant. Um, There should be some Deshaun Watson news coming pretty soon. And, you know, I'll, I'll... Yeah, I mean, that's really all there is to talk about for today's episode. Stay tuned um, for more episodes on, you know, this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. Um, Yeah, stay tuned for another episode um, sometime this week. I thank you guys so much for tuning in to an episode of the franchise, and uh, I will catch you guys in the next episode.